Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. So South Africans are still getting over the disappointments of the Proteus fortunes at uh, the ICC Cricket World Cup in England a little earlier this year. Welcome once again to Inside the Game by Raider Media. Uh, you with me, Derek Alberts. However, following that disappointment, there was a few shining lights. Uh, they were very rare, but uh, undoubtedly the biggest one was the performance of one Rassi funded Disson. It's one thing if the likes of Quinton de Kock or as well, but it, it's an entirely new development if it's uh, a fairly new man to the squad. I know he's been around in cricketing circles for a while, but uh, as far as the essay side's concerned, he's uh, very much a, a new pup. But uh, what a performance, and uh, I'm very, very lucky to have him sitting alongside me once again. We've had him on the show before. That time it was uh, via telephone. This time around we are coming to you live, and uh, we are at uh, a place that you know very well, Rassi, because uh, you just came from a haircut, uh, what a what a place! Yeah, we uh, thanks for having me, uh, Derek. Firstly, um, we at Gary Ram Man uh, at Linwood Bridge in Pretoria, just off Linwood Road, and uh, yeah, you know it's a good friend of mine, Tristan Beard, runs it, and uh, I come here. I mean, I can only look so good, but uh, with uh, with my hair, so uh, they definitely uh, do their best to, to make me look as as good as I can, and they're doing a great job. So yeah, it's great to be here. Oh man, uh, a big big thank you to Gary Ram Man, and thank you. Sorry, your name. Sorry? Lenica. thank you so much. He's actually passing me a beer as we speak. Jeez, it, it doesn't what a place, actually, huh? Jeez, it doesn't get better than this. I, I had no idea what, I, what to expect. I mean, I know that uh, this is uh, very much a, a new age thing uh, where you have hairdressers where it goes above and beyond, but uh, this takes it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, uh, all the guys here, all the barbers are so, so professional. They know exactly uh, what you want and uh, you can come have a coffee. Uh, if you're still busy with work, uh, and if it's after work, you can you can have a whiskey or a beer. Uh, I mean, yeah, pop in after work, have a quick one, have a bit of a chat with all the guys around. Yeah, it's just uh, like a place to, to hang out. That's why I love coming here. That really, really is great. Okay, let's get uh, down to business. First and foremost, uh, I asked, yeah, apologize for the noise in the background. We are upstairs uh, looking down on everyone, so you might have the, the odd noise, but uh, yeah, most and uh, most... <laughs> Foremost, uh, we'll, we'll be hearing Rassi's voice, so that's the most important part. Rassi, I, I put it out to Twitter a little earlier that I was uh, coming out here to meet you, and I said, any questions? And majority of the people immediately responded, what the hell are you doing here? Because we're speaking in the midst of the Proteus' um, fairly disastrous test series against India. I know you're over there for the T20s, but uh, you came back, and a lot of people saying that they could certainly use your expertise over there. Yeah, I suppose, Derek, um, but li like it is in, in any team and any sport, you know, there's a there's a picking order and, um, you know, the guys in the squad currently have done well in, in the domestic circuit for the last two or three years and um, myself, I've, I've also done all right. So I know where I stand in, in terms of the test side um, and, yeah, like I said, I was there for, for the first test uh, as backup for one or two guys that, that had a few injury uh, concerns. Um, and it was vital experience for me just to see how, how, how they operate, especially in the subcontinent against a very strong Indian team. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of my game, you know, I'd, uh, I'm happy to, to wait my time and uh, hopefully I, I, I'll be ready. Uh, my focus is just on being ready whenever I'm required. If I'm required, I'll, I'll be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you've played 18 ODIs, 90 20s. Uh, you yet to don the whites for South Africa. And... 
uh, I'm sure it must be coming sooner rather than later, given the fortunes of the test side. And I know that uh, the new coach, um, Enoch, said that you know it, it was certainly a, a transition phase because we have le- uh, lost the likes of A.B. de Villiers, um, Jacques Callis a while back, Graham Smith, uh, more recently, Hashim Amla, Dale Stain, etc. And it, it's very difficult to recover from something like that. Uh, we saw it happen with the great Australian side from the 90s uh, when the likes of Matthew Hayden, Shane Warne, to name but a few, uh, decided to give it up. I mean, they certainly went through a downward cycle before coming back up. Um, yeah, I mean, do you? I know you say there's a pecking order, but you've got to be thinking, given the fact that they aren't performing, it's, it's going to be soon. Yeah, I would hope so, Derek. You know, like I said, as a player, you can you can control the things uh, as 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 far as as you can control them, I suppose. Um, and that's that's performances that's going out there for your domestic side. I play for the Lions, obviously, and and putting scores on the board. And I think it was two years ago. I was the leading run scorer in the four-day series uh, last year. I missed a few games, but I also did well uh, the times that I was there. Um, so, so I suppose that's as a batter and as a player, you you want to be consistent, and I think consistency gets you recognised, gets people talking about you, and and ultimately, hopefully, earns you selection. So, you know, Test cricket, I haven't played, but but it's tough. Um, so, you know, obviously, after the last two Test matches, there's a lot of criticism on a lot of the players, especially the batters. Um, but you know, I I just say to people. You know, it's there's a reason it's called Test cricket. That's it's the hardest format, and um, you know India is so so strong at the moment, especially in their home conditions. Um, so so you know the the team the Proteus team at the moment is is really under pressure. It is a transitional team. Ashim obviously retiring a few months ago. Dale they they without the this PA that they've had uh, for the last probably 10, 12 years. So it, it's a young team. It's it's but you know that's not a excuse I suppose, and the guys don't see it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, consistency as a batter is 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 the key thing, and I'm just going to look to to wherever I play, whether it be for the Lions or, or for the Proteas, to to keep putting in performances. What well, you, you said that you stuck around for a little while um, for the first test as as backup if there were any injuries. Now you become a fairly vital cog in the T20 and ODI sides fairly quickly, um, but as mentioned, yet you haven't played a test match yet. Was it strange being around? I mean, was it? Uh, is it a different type of atmosphere being involved in the test squad as opposed to uh, the coloured clothes? Yeah, it was a bit of a different atmosphere. You know, you got vastly experienced test players uh, that that, that specialise in, in test and, and longer format, like guys like Dean Algar, Vernon Philander, those types of guys. You know, who come into the squad, and you know, as me as a player in the Proteus setup, yes, I've played. 20 odd games uh, in in the white ball format, but but I haven't featured in in, in test yet. So so it's a it's a it's a str- almost a strange dynamic where you where you in a team where you've been in for the last year, just over a year, but now you sort of back back of the queue again, if if that makes sense. So um, I I just took that experience and and tried to learn as much as I could from those guys. A guy like Dean Algar is obviously vastly experienced. He made a 116 the first test in in Indian conditions, which that was one of the best uh, subcontinent innings I've seen by by a foreigner. Um, and uh, in the Protea setup there, we had a new batting uh, coach, a, a local Indian guy who came in as consultant. I tried to work with him as much as I could so to just sort of you know use my time as well as I could. I knew I was going to be there for about a week, and and if the guys passed their fitness tests and 
and got through that, uh, I wouldn't be required. But I, but I thought to myself, I am there now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try gain as much experience and knowledge as I could. So, um, yeah, in, in general, it was a, it's was a very, very good experience. Obviously, a guy like Faf, I look up to him, and having played with him in the last year, I've learned a lot from him, and I think there's a lot of similarities in. Uh, in, in our in our game and, and our personality. So so he's definitely a guy I also look up to. You mentioned the, the batting consultant and I remember when news first came out, uh, people were a bit surprised because obviously there'd been a whole reshuffle in the coaching structures. Batting consultant came in and from an outsider looking in, I figured that uh, it wasn't too bad an idea because of course it's we talk about conditions and you need to be as in tune with conditions as possible. And... Uh, it, did it help? I mean, I can imagine someone who is based there has played a lot of cricket there to be able to tell you, listen, this is what you need to do to succeed in this environment. Yeah, uh, Amol, Amol Mazumdar, he was a, a locally played over 100 first-class matches there. He never played for India. Um, he was in the in the era of, of Tendulkar and, and Raul Dravid, Vivius Laxman, those sides. So, you know, the fact that he didn't play test cricket didn't didn't phase us too much knowing that he played in in the era of those those greats of the game and, and especially in Indian cricket. Um, but yes, it was vital. I mean, from a mindset point of view, uh, his thing, his biggest thing was, was you know, even though you, you're you coming against spinning pitches and, and uh, difficult slow bowling conditions, you, you've still got to have that intent and mindset to score, um, which if you look at the 2015 series that the Proteas played and, and lost... Three uh, nil, you know that was that was always a thing. It, it looked like survival cricket, and uh, you know the guys tried to turn it around this time. Um, and you could see it in that first test, scoring 430 odd, I think it was in the first innings. So a lot of lessons came from that, and uh, and I think you know skill wise, our, our batters are not worse than Indian batters in spinning conditions. It's just maybe a mindset thing of, you know maybe getting a more aggressive game plan against spin as, as opposed to, to, to just surviving. Do you think this could lead to a new era of, of coaches in that things like batting consultants and bowling consultants, they, they, they could be hired on a short-term basis based on the areas that they're going to? Uh, it, from your side, I mean, did it really help having someone who was completely a fay with uh, the territory? Yeah, I think it did. Uh, and I think, yes, that's definitely... I mean, we had Lance Clues in, in the T20s uh, as, as the batting coach. Uh, and he was obviously just there for the T20 series. Um, but myself and, and a lot of the... Especially the, the all-rounders learned a lot from him. You know, him being having been one of the best in the world at, at his time. Um, Mindset-wise, again, like I said, we learned a lot from him. And uh, with Amol... Uh, the Indian batting consultant, I, th- I definitely think so because as, as South African batters, you know, there's a few instances I can think of now which I won't bore you with the details, but, you know, we grow up playing spin a certain way. Um, we, we grow up and you, in a four-day game, there's four seamers and, and maybe one spinner and he maybe comes into the game uh, in the se- late in the, in the second innings, maybe end of day three, day four. Uh, whereas those guys, they grow up with spin. It's, it's literally just the other way around. So... So they're more accustomed to it. Like I said, their mindset, their game plans, everything that's that's involved in, in scoring and playing against spin, you know, they have so much experience in, and that's that's what the batters could really uh, sort of uh, take take a lot of lessons from. Did uh, did he make many changes to to your game plan in terms of playing spin and uh, and any other guys? I mean, was it an eye opener when you got there and thought, well, 
geez, I've spent my life playing it a certain way. Suddenly, I'm being told, hey, no, this is this is wrong. Yeah, yeah, he did. He he had a very f- few very strong opinions, which you know uh, he says to you, and then you sort of doubt doubt what he's saying. But when you try it out, it it becomes clearer to you, and 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 it becomes clear to you why he thinks like that and why the guys play like that. Um, you know, he, he challenged us uh, to to you know almost go against common sense when it comes to playing against spin and like i said your initial reaction is a is a reaction of no that's you know that can't be uh and and then until you try it you realize you know you your skills are actually on a level where you where you can execute playing against the spin for example sweeping out of the rough um defending balls that are that are that are spitting out of out of the footmarks things like that so um yeah he did challenge us and and i think it's took us out of our comfort zone and it showed us you know there there definitely is a way to play cricket like this because because the indian batters seem to make it look so easy um yeah so again i i learned a lot from him i think the guys did i think the batters have have done okay uh the toss obviously plays plays such a massive role in india so which which we've lost uh the first two tosses um so i yeah coming back to your earlier question definitely batting consultant in, in local conditions is, is definitely a thing that adds value okay so here's the consultant let's talk about the main man Enoch and Quest so his first uh, official tour for, for the Proteas after being appointed uh, I can imagine there were a lot of people surprised at the appointment given his lack of experience on an international level and uh, I'm talking about first uh, tier nations but as you mentioned with Amit it's, it's not necessarily a question of if you're having to play international cricket that you don't doesn't make you a good coach. You had experience with Enoch uh, during the uh, Mzanzi Super League um, where he guided the, the Josie Stars to victory. Um, your, your initial thoughts of him? Yeah, Enoch, obviously work, having worked with him for, for just over a year now, um, he started the Lions, obviously Josie Stars as well. He's a very disciplined, orientated coach. He's a, he's a very professional coach. Very meticulous in, in everything that he does, especially preparation and and from a from an analytical point of view. Um, and he's a type of guy who, who, he doesn't leave a stone unturned in, in in terms of all aspects of the game, whether it be before a game, like I said, preparation, or after a game, recovery and 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 reflection uh, in terms of going into the next game. So he's he's definitely brought brought a fresh approach to to the Proteas, um, one which as a player it, it challenges you to. To to definitely work a lot harder and you know definitely think about your game. He's one of those types of guys who 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 will push every button to to get the bu- the best out of you. And I think it's it's been it's been uh, accepted very well. Um, having having gone through the World Cup, which didn't go well under and the previous coach Otis Gibson, and uh, which was almost a totally different environment, a very laid-back sort of West Indian uh, environment in the Proteus camp um, and and it obviously didn't didn't work like we wanted it to and and Enoch is on the on the other side he's very he's very demanding but but in a good way so so like I said as a player he pushes you uh, to improve and 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 he doesn't he he expects a lot of you and gives you a lot of responsibility to, to make sure you you can become the best that that you can uh, that you can be and and uh, I've yeah, I, I've really enjoyed working with him. It, it worked at the Lions last year. It worked at the at the Jersey Stars, and you know, having seen the bit that he's done now with the Proteus team, I think you know results aside, especially in the test, 
uh, I think in the long run it's going to be a really good thing. Was there a clear noticeable difference in the changes between Otis Gibson and Enoch? Because I'll never forget reading about um, Darren Lehman's first day in charge of Australia when he came on and he took over from Mickey Arthur. And the guy said he basically walked in at about a 10-minute team meeting. He said, come, let's go to the pub. Uh, so that was very much a laid-back type of initiation uh, for the players. Um, did Enoch have the opposite effect uh, when you got into the side? It w- was a case of get out of the pub, now we're going to knuckle down. I'm not saying that, that Otis spent any time in the pub. Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, not to that extent, uh, extent I would say, uh, because Otis was also, obviously, having, having been with the England side, f- side for long in his career, and obviously having had a long a county career of his own, he, he was also professional, he was also uh, a, a really good coach and a, and a, and a very thoughtful and, and, and a clever coach, tactical and um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was it was laid back in 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 a bad way uh, under Otis. Um, it was just his philosophy. His philosophy was one of you know you go out onto the field, you you play for your country and and you represent your country, but you must also remember to have fun and, and enjoy it at the same time. Which you know coming into that environment, it was probably a good thing because um, you know it's, I, I remember making my debut. It was a case of Faf must take a lot of credit there again of, of him telling me, listen, just just go out and enjoy yourself. And, you know, there's no pressure on you. There's no, we we know what you can do as a player and you can you can just go express yourself. Um, under Enoch, Enoch's biggest thing, and I think that will make him a good coach is he wants to win. He, that's, I mean, any co- coach wants to win, but he came in and, and, you know, one of the, one of the first things that he said is, listen, South African cricket needs to dominate again. Uh, we want to be, we want to win every game that we play. Um, we want to be the best side in the world in all three formats, and and um, you know we want to we want to make history. We want to win ICC tournaments. We we want to be the best in the world. And you know that was for me. It was a it was a refreshing thing because I think if you play for your country and I suppose any professional sport, that's what it's about. I mean, you know, you got to put performances. On the board, you see now a lot of pressure and a lot of people talking about the current test team because we 2-0 down the test series. And and people are entitled to the to the opinion because fans want the team to win. And, and I mean, that's what it's about. Yes, we do have fun and we, we are privileged to, to play the sport that we love on a professional and on a representative level. But you still need to realize that, that you we're here to win. We're here to do a job. Um, and um, you know, for Enoch, that's a big emphasis. Obviously, he's only been in the job for about two months, um, and if he stays on, hopefully, he does his interim at the moment. But I think all signs sort of point to him taking over in the long run, and that's going to be his thing, you know, to make South African cricket dominant again. Yeah, that that was going to lead me to my next question because, as you say, he is uh, there on an interim basis, and. It really is only this tour where he can prove his worth. Now, I don't think there's a, a bigger challenge in cricket, especially now, to test yourself than taking on India in India. So results certainly aren't going his way. And it's going to be a challenge in which he can say, look, this is what I'm capable of achieving because, of course, the, the projects aren't achieving that. So I think it will then go down to the players in terms of CSA making their decision, saying, look, how did you enjoy playing underneath this guy? And by all intents and purposes, according to you, I mean, he, he's a great guy to play under. I mean, would you really like to see him given the job in a full-time capacity? 
Yeah, I think that, I think definitely so. Um, you know, like I said, I have a I have a bit more experience working with him than than most of the other guys on the Protea setup. Um, so, and and for me, a big thing always has been, and you know, I think that's in our South African nature. We want to win, and we we want to be the best. And maybe maybe that's where where Otis got it wrong uh, in his time. Yeah, you know, it was a lot of emphasis. Like I said, was about you know just being relaxed, and and that'll bring your performance up. And you know, and 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 but I think the South African nature and the, and the way of our people is, you know, we're competitive, we're aggressive, we want to win, we can want to get the results. And, and Enoch is definitely like that. Um, I would like to see him, him take over because I think, you know, he, he came in with a clear vision. Like I said, South African cricket needs to be dominant again. We need to win. Um, and, and as soon as you have that sort of clear goal uh, and something to work towards, you know, that's, that sort of shows, shows you the path. Um, his first tour in India, obviously, yeah, probably the toughest tour to have. I think they've won nine or 11. It's 11 now. 11, yes. Yeah, I think it's a world record. If home I'm series in a row at home. So, um, yeah, toughest tour that he can p- could possibly have had. In the T20s, we were 1-1 with one rain out and I strongly feel that uh, India won the first one, we won the second one convincingly and I strongly feel if there was a third one that we that we, that we would have won that series. So, um, and, and, and that's just about the mindset we have. Uh, like I said, a guy like Klusner played a big role in that as well, and Enoch as well. Um, so judging him on that, yes, you can judge him on that, but also in this test series, I, I think it's, it'll be a tough thing to, to judge him on. I think as a coach, if he, gets, if he gets a long run, I think we'll definitely see some positive stuff. Okay, so that's the, the present. Let's look back at the past, earlier this year, the World Cup. Uh, that was probably your first two at the Pro Tours in terms of being an official mainstay in the squad. Um, I remember chatting to you about two months prior to that. Uh, you'd been performing every time uh, you got given the opportunity for South Africa. And I said it was only a matter of time before they named the squad and you'd definitely be in it, uh, which of course was the case. Um, before we get to your own personal performances, from a team perspective, I, I mean, how disappointing was it to, to have gone out so early uh, in a tournament which in the past we've done so well at? Yeah, Derek. It definitely, it was it was very disappointing. Um, you know, we we went there knowing that we have a really balanced side, a really good, strong side. Also knowing that in that format where it's only ten teams, it's the best ten ten teams in the world. It will be tough. You know, you, you're going to play against every team, and it's definitely going to be tough. It's a World Cup. Um, so yeah, in terms of disappointment levels, it's yeah, it was huge. I mean, like you can imagine, I, I don't think. Anyone in, involved in South African cricket uh, took that lightly. But saying that, myself as a player, I learned a lot. Uh, us as a team, and I think squad members learned hell of a lot in terms of you know what is required at an ICC tournament, what is required to win, what is the way to to go about it, and and what is maybe some stuff that's that's not the best way to go about it. Um, so. It's, it'll only be a waste if we, if we forget about those, uh, those lessons that we learned. And I, and I know it sounds like a cliche because, I mean, every team that probably ever loses say, say that they learn and they're moving forward. But, you know, I can't, ex- I can't say to you how much I learned just in terms of, you know, as a player and, and in a team and, and from Faf as, as being captain. And um, so, so those lessons are, are 
definitely stuff things that I that I'll look to take forward uh, in in my career. And you know, as vice captain now for the T20 series and stuff, that, things that I would try to instill in the team going forward. And can you highlight some of those lessons? Yeah, it's it's difficult to to explain in in detail um, without it sounding sound sounding like maybe we didn't give it the attention that w- that we needed. Um, I remember the first game against England. We were we were quite laid back in terms of our approach and going into that game and. In hindsight, you know, maybe, maybe we were too laid back because we we knew they were under pressure. We knew they were the number one side in the world, and you know, the, all the pressure would probably be on them to to put in a performance. And and we knew we could use that maybe against them. Um, like I said, in in hindsight, I I think the, a better mindset could could maybe be, you know, you know, we've got a we've got a a situation here yeah, we we can we, we can make a really strong statement to the to the world and to the rest of the teams uh if we can beat them so you know just just in terms of in terms of that um i also understand you know from coming from the coach's point of view the the mindset he tried to instill where, where in 2015 speaking to a lot of the guys it it was all about win 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 and we got to win and and that put, put a lot of pressure on on everyone and uh and and maybe the coach saying, you know, this World Cup, we we know we're not number one side in the world, so so we're going there to cause a few upsets, and that's our way to win. Um, but but like I said, I think our South African nature and our South African way is is probably more suited to to saying to facing it head on, facing challenges head on, and saying, you know what, this is in front of us. Uh, we're taking, we we're putting everything. That we that we have into this to to win this one game, this being the the opening game of a World Cup, for example, um, and not saying you know let's go in it with a relaxed mindset, just just sort of along those lines, things along those lines. Recently, Timber Bavuma was uh, put in a press conference. Uh, I think it was uh, during or, or prior to to the second test, and it was just prior to the second test. And uh, he was incredibly candid and honest. And and usually, press conferences are very boring, state affairs. I, I think, from a player's perspective, you, you probably don't enjoy them being put on the spot. Are you there to play cricket, not speak to the masses? And uh, yeah, he was incre- incredibly forthright, and it was great to hear. And they're usually very rare occasions. However, if I could look back. Probably the last time I heard such an honest press conference was from you, and that was during the World Cup. Um, during the tournament, the issue came about regarding A.B. de Villiers, that he had in fact put his hand up just prior to the tournament, so that he was once again available to play for South Africa. And um, people were up in arms saying that, how could they pose the question to you because you were the next man? I know how it goes in um, international sports circles. They put some player up, and you just happen to be the player on the day. And the question was posed to you, and you were incredibly honest, and, and, and I loved hearing it, where you said, you know, the thing is, is that if AB was on the side, the chances are that I wouldn't be here. Um, was that irritating to, to have to put up with in the midst of a, a World Cup campaign was, it was becoming a bit of a disaster from a team perspective, but not so much from a personal perspective? No, I wouldn't say it was irritating. I mean... That was a massive story that that broke to 
probably everyone simultaneously, us as a team included. We, you know, we weren't we weren't aware of that. Obviously, Faf uh, and Otis and, and Linda Zondi was was a, uh, aware of that, and, and somehow the story broke. Uh, I'm not sure how it broke um, that that AB did did uh, did want to come back or make himself available for the World Cup. But you know, on, as soon as that, as soon as that came out, I knew I would probably be. Uh, in the spotlight, batting in a position that AB batted in, uh, and playing in a team, and obviously when the team loses, you know there's a lot more question questions to players than when they when when we win. So I knew that was going to come up, um, and yeah, I also know journalists they also fish for a story, uh, like you would know, um, <laughs> you know. So yeah, irritated wasn't the word. I was I was really happy to 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 answer all those questions because for me, you know, it was simple. And and my main my main message was you know you can no one can ever replace AB but you know AB's not there anymore and you know someone has to step in and and I was lucky to be that person to to step in and I can I can play like I know how to play and I can try and win matches like I know how to to win matches so um, yeah so it, it was a tough a tough time in the team because we were losing and we weren't under a lot of pressure from back home from press from you know, from the world, basically. So, um, but going there, I expected it to be tough. I expected this. This is the pinnacle of cricket. It's a it's a one day international World Cup. I mean, if you if you think you're going there and it's going to be easy, you know, you got another thing coming. So, so I expected it, and I sort of just tried to handle it as best I could. Uh, what was the mood like in the camp when the story broke? Uh, I, I always imagined the guys heard the story and they said, "Oh well." And that was it. Was it the case, or did you? Was there quite a bit of chatter around it? No, it's sort of the coach called the team together and he said, "Listen, this the story broke. It, it is true. He did offer to come back, AB. But for us as a team, it it didn't matter. Um, they didn't feel it was fair to choose him at that stage. Um, and you know, us as a team, we accepted that. You know, some some things that." The coaches and, and the staff and the captain really carry a lot of responsibility, especially in a tournament like that. And, and it's very mentally draining and, and um, straining to those guys. And that was just another thing thrown at them. And, and as players, we sort of, you know, trusted them to to handle that. And, and yeah, we heard the news, read some stories and, and moved on with it, really. It's... Um, it, it didn't really make a difference at that stage in, in our campaign. Okay, now let's move over to the personal side of things because there's no doubt that you were the shining star of the Proteus side. Uh, they were, uh, from a team perspective, it, it was disastrous. So we did, they didn't win the amount of matches that we wanted them. They didn't, of course, make the, the semis. But um, from your side, I mean, how was it just going in and out every day, just going about your job and emerging from the wreckage as as the shining star and I, I know you're probably going to deny it but if I had to ask anyone hands down who was the star of the Proteus campaign uh, from the 2019 World Cup I think to a man they'll all say Rassie van der Dissen yeah again cricket is such a difficult sport because it's individual within a team context so even though I did okay uh, one or two other guys did well, Faf did well, um, Imran Tahir bowled really well. You know, as a team, when you lose, 
you feel that more as an individual. So you want to do well individually, yes, but that doing well goes towards a cause and that causes winning games for your team or for your country. So having done well personally and not getting over the line in terms of winning games was also also frustrating um, because you, you sort of... There's 11 guys on the field and, and you know on any given day all 11 are not going to perform. Uh, but there will be two or three or hopefully four that, that will perform and you rely on those guys to, to win the games. And being one of the guys who did well, um, but you know maybe just not doing enough to win games um, is disappointing. I'm thinking about the England game, for example, where I got 50 and we were in, in a really strong position when myself and Quinton were in, I think we were 120 odd for two, chasing 309. And Quinton got out on about 60, I think, and then I got out on about 50. You know, those are the situations where, as a player, you know, you you want to win the game. You want to you want to bet for another 15 overs and make sure you win the game. Uh, the New Zealand game where we where we got 240, uh, 242 or 241, I can't remember exactly, uh, on a, on a difficult wicket, which I thought batting first was good. Um, I, f- I finished, I think, with 67 not out that match. And thought, you know, if we could win here, it's going to be tight. But if we win here, you can sort of see that as a match-winning um, performance. But, yeah, we, we ended up um, losing that uh, against, uh, yeah, Kane Williamson made 100. And, and um, yeah, we, we just lost that match, which was vital in the, in, the, in the context of the World Cup. And then making 95 against Australia, the last game, and we're getting over the line there. I mean, that's... Five made 100, I made 95, we had a big partnership. That's, just, that's the sort of thing that win games. And I think looking back at it, you know, you just, even though you did well, you want to you wanna put match-winning performances in, and that's probably the, the disappointing thing. I know you get two types of cricketers, those that say that numbers don't matter and, and those that say that they certainly do. Um, is it a, a massive goal of yours to get to the three-figure mark in ODIs. Uh, you've now got seven fifties and only 18 ODIs uh, in only 14 innings. It's an incredible conversion rate in terms of fifties, but of course not so much the hundreds. But given the fact that you come in fairly late in the innings, uh, it must be pretty hard to achieve. I was very lucky to be in the stands over in Manchester when you defeated Australia. And there was that last ball, you went for the big heave, um, and you were caught in Kyle's corner, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, you fell short of the 100 mark, just, just, just. I mean, is it something that you just want to cross? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, making 100 for your country, I, I haven't got there yet. But, I, I mean, I can't think as a batter there's many more special feelings. I got close in my, in my first game, my first ODI game, 93 against Pakistan in, in Port Elizabeth. And I still had a few overs to go there. And I got out on 93, like I said. And yeah, that one, 95 against Australia. There was one ball left. There were actually two balls left. And uh, Pat Cummins bowled me a, a slower ball bouncer. The second last ball, which I missed um, to the long boundary. And I sort of didn't know where the ball was. And Andile wanted to run. And I sent him back, knowing, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is a chance for me to get 100 in a, in a World Cup match against Australia, the old foe. And that last ball, he bowled the same ball. I, I had a feeling it was coming, and he had all these guys out on the boundary. I think it was, a, if I'm not mistaken, I think a 86 or 87 meter boundary, so it is big. And um, un- unfortunately for me, I think if Glenn Maxwell wasn't there, it would have gone for six. But uh, yeah, the fielder that Glenn Maxwell is, he was, he was never going to let that go, go over him. So probably just a few m- meters short. But yeah, definitely 
uh, it, it'll be, hopefully if I get there, it'll be a really special thing. It's amazing because despite the fact that uh, the Proteus had performed poorly at the World Cup, the dead rubber against Australia, I mean, I've watched many cricket games around the world and uh, that was without doubt in my top three experiences watching international cricket was that final match against Australia. I mean, there's no dead rubbers when it comes to South Africa and the old foe. And it was our first win against Australia since 1992. And it was amazing, the atmosphere and the crowd. I mean, could you feel it as well? I remember uh, Kakis Robado bowling at the death uh, because it came, became quite tight towards the end. But uh, in the end, we, we won it fairly comfortably. And uh, the crowd was singing, Oh, KG Robado. It was an amazing atmosphere. I mean, was it nice to sign off on a high from uh, the 2019 World Cup? Yeah, I think as a team, that was vital. You know, we... We knew that we were capable of that sort of performance, and and that that performance might as well have been in a semi or in a final, because we knew we were that's as a team that's how we wanted to play. We wanted to be really aggressive, and if you think back of that game, Aiden and and Quinton opened the batting, and I think they were about seventy odd after the first ten, and you know we really landed the first punch against a really strong Aussie bowling line up there, Cummins, Stark, those types of guys. Um, and, and and that was sort of the the South African brand that that we wanted to play. We ended up making I think 326. I'm not sure. I can't really remember the the total. But Faf made a really good captain's hundred. I made a 95. And um, yeah, about 30,000 people. I think it was that day in in Manchester. It was a beautiful day. Uh, my my three brothers were in the crowd. Yeah, we we uh, took the same flights. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And and they actually planned to come for that game and the semi and the final you know but uh, we of unfortunately didn't deliver for them they, they, they stayed longer than you did if yeah I'm yeah they did they did stay till after the final so um, unfortunately we weren't there but um, yeah it just like I said in hindsight now knowing that that, that was Otis's last game and, and some of the coaching staff's last game I think it was owed to them you know the work that they put in in the previous 18 to 20 months into the team the planning that went into the World Cup uh, the, yeah, the relentless work ethic from, from their side I think we owed it to them to, to finish like that and to do it against Australia uh, was, was a really special feeling obviously one of the best teams in the world currently and, and um, yeah, beating them yeah, really special way to end the World Cup at least Was there a sense of this is the end of an era um, when, when you finished up the celebrations with the victory um, of course the World Cup's over I mean, did you have an idea that Otis was now saying his farewells. I mean, of course, it was still up for grabs afterwards, but uh, from a player's perspective, did, did, did you think this is it? No, not necessarily, because you know it was quite well known that Otis's contract is until the uh, T20 World Cup, which is next year, October, if I'm not mistaken. So we, we thought he would, he would stay on for, for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, it was definitely a, an end-of-era... Uh, in terms of JP Dumini and Imran Tahir retiring after that match and I forgot to mention that it was really special to send them out on a winning way especially against a big side like Australia who they've come up against for so long in their careers um, so in terms of that it was the end of an era you know Imi obviously and JP being the legends that they are not only in cricket in South Africa but in general in South Africa there's just the, the quality humans they are and to send them off on a, on a winning note was, was really special in terms of the, the coaching and the structures as players, yeah, we, we didn't have any idea that, you know, what CSA's plans were going forward. And we obviously knew that we underperformed as a team. And, and unfortunately in sport, that's sometimes the reality that the coaches 
get judged by by those performances and not always the players so yeah i had a feeling that one or two things might change but in yeah in all honesty we we didn't really think about it in that way you mentioned something a little earlier when, when you pointed out the fact that you're a vice-captain in, in the recent T20 series against India. Uh, is the armband something that you aspire to? And it's particularly pertinent now, given the fact that Faf Duplessis, you'd expect, is, is heading towards uh, the end of, of his international career. Um, and, and were that to come to an end sooner rather than later, would, would you be happy to, to take up the armband? Yeah, I think captaincy and, and leadership in general is something that comes naturally to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of player. I'm on the field. I'm always, I always try to think, and I always try to, to sort of give the captain, whoever it might be, a, a, a helping hand because being captain is tough uh, on the field as well as off. So, so on the field, sometimes you know your mind can go at a million mile, miles an hour, and and sometimes it's it's good to just have that one or two, those one or two guys to to just remind you about. You know what's going to happen the next over and five overs after that, and and planning bowling spells and and fielding positions and reminding uh, the captain about what what a certain bat uh, does. Uh, you know where his weaknesses and strengths are and how we got to b- go about bowling to them. And um, because yeah, it's a lot of info being a captain. So I've always sort of naturally done that anyway. So being captain is not foreign to me. But I think in the current setup, there's a few guys that that are like that. I think. Quinton is like that. Temba is like that, and and they're both very strong leaders in in their in their own regard. And you know, whoever will will take over after Faf, I think we're lucky in the sense that you know myself and Temba and myself and Quinny and you know there might be one or two others that we've 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 come a long way in our careers. We we think fairly similarly. We understand each other. We communicate well. So whoever it will be that will take over. You know, I think the other guys will will really back back him up, and and um, it'll be good for for the greater good of South African cricket. So now your, your next goal undoubtedly must be solidifying. Well, first getting into the, the Test squad, and and then solidifying it. But um, I remember chatting to you prior to the World Cup, and and we spoke about where do your goals lie in terms of the three formats. And and you you, you said you you want to be a man for all seasons, and and that certainly has been the case. So there's not been a a question of you underperforming in any specific format. Uh, I'm not just talking about from an international level, but from domestic as well. And you're probably one of the few players that specialise in all three. And um, you recently returned from Canada, where, where you made it through to the final. You did well over there. Um, is that st- something that you still aspire to? Of course, that's where the money is. There's no question. Um, T20 formats, a, a gun for hire. Would you still look at focusing on that while trying to earn that... Um, much, muchly wanted test cap? Definitely, Derek. I think, you know, like I've mentioned before, as a player and as a batsman, I always try to be be flexible. Uh, I feel that I, I do have the skill to to transition between formats. Um, and, um, you know, there's no doubt that, that T20 leagues are, are very, very positive uh in terms of financial reward um, for, for players, and there's a lot of opportunities around the world. But like I mentioned earlier, test cricket is still the ultimate challenge. It's still, as a cricketer, you want to test yourself against the best and and in the most in the toughest situations. So, and, and that's that's test cricket for you. So, yeah, like I've said many times, as a player, I I try to just improve as I go. I try to 
keep my work ethic up and and working with 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 coaches that that work well with me uh enoch justin sammons at the at the lions um guys who, who really know my game well uh mark charlton a guy a friend who i've who i've spent a lot of time with over the last 10 15 years working on my game chris cardosa you know I think it's so vital to to have those sort of touching points to and guys who, who can tell you, listen, this is where you need to improve. This is where you've been good. This is where you haven't been that good. This is where you, what you need to work on, um, and and that applies to all three formats. And and going forward, you know, like I said, I, f- I feel I have the capacity to to play all three formats, um, and, and it's definitely still a, a big goal of mine. Do you think that the advent of T20 cricket, and it's the golden question everyone asks, is, is leading to a dearth in talent when it comes to four- and five-day cricket? Uh, of course, test cricket is about survival and being able to stay there for a day, maybe two days, uh, whereas now you're getting players that are used to, to maybe 10 overs max, given the fact that they focus on 20 overs. And, yeah, I mean, is it leading to a dearth in talent? Uh, just having a look at the, the recent four-day games, I mean, we're seeing a lot of low scores. Um, could it be attributed to that? I think yeah, it's, it's probably not as simple as, as you're making it out to be there. Um, I know, for example, the, the lowest scores now in the last few four-day games has been more the, the conditions that have been conducive to, to bowling, um, which is fine, you know. Um, sides prepare wickets for results because you know you, you don't want a four-day easy draw. You wanna you wanna give yourself the best chance to win a game and get those points because the CSA four-day challenge is still th- probably the premier uh, competition in the country to win. Uh, you got to play 40 days of really solid cricket to win that, and it's definitely the the most difficult and hardest working competition to win. Um, but your statement does have some truth if you if you look for example. To the West Indies, where over the last few years there's there's been a lot of T20 mercenary specialists, and their Test team has struggled. I'm, I'm talking about guys like Andre Russell, the Bravos, Karen Pollard, um, you know, that's to name a few. Narain, those guys who who are really solid and good cricketers, and and would be really good four-day and five-day cricketers. They they just sort of took a transition and said, listen, the money's in T20, and that's where we're going to focus and. They haven't been available for the for the test side, and and in terms of that, the West Indies cricket board has really struggled to to keep them, uh, keep a lot of their players to in the domestic circuit and and in in the test sort of environment, um, and you know that's the challenge for cricket boards. It is it is a problem if I can say it like that in in some places, but um, yeah. I suppose if you if you want to look at it in a positive way, there's opportunities for other players to to step in and, and specialize. I mean, a guy like Vernon Philander and, and like I mentioned, Dean Algar, even though they they really accomplished T20 players, you look at those guys and say these guys are test specialists. You look at Rory Burns, those types of guys, James Anderson for for England, those guys are test specialists, and and that's why why a lot of those guys are the best in the world um, because they 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 focus on on that one format, um, and um, it's. You know, some guys playing T20s, you know, just giving up four-day four day cricket. It's a, it's a chance for a new guy to, to step in and, and show what he's worth. Yeah, we're about to, to wrap up. I, I told you I posted the question earlier on Twitter saying that we were catching up a little later. And then Kabila Madela, who's a, a massive cricket follower, he had to ask, he said, what number is Rusty going to bat in the Boxing Day test? <laughs> yeah, Derek, I can't tell you. Um, 
Yeah, that's a difficult question because we got, I think, uh, two more four-day games to go uh, until the Mzanzi League, and that's the only Red Bull cricket that there is before the England series. So my challenge in the really short term is to, to, to try and do really well in those two games and, and just make sure that I keep knocking on the door in terms of a test spot. Like I said, test cricket is the ultimate uh, format. So, so to get into that team is, is really tough. You have to be really consistent over a long, long uh, period of time. So, yeah, if I'm, in, if I'm in the squad and if I'm in the team, you know, I'll, I would bet 11 if they tell me, tell me if that means I can, I can get a test cap. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of water that needs to go under the bridge. Okay, so the test uh, cap is still remains elusive, but as we've spoken about, you're still very much part and parcel of the ODI side. Now, you, you average 73.77 in ODIs. Now, without taking minimum matches into account, you, you're seventh on the all-time list of ODI averages, but usually that's not how it works because they round it off to a minimum because that's only fair. Um, so they usually round it off to 20 ODIs and up. So you're at 18 ODIs now, so you're too short of qualifying, so to speak. Do you know who, who leads the averages? He's South African-born as well. Uh, how many matches did he play? Uh, I think he played around 30-odd. I have no idea. Uh, Ryan Tenduskate. Oh, right, yeah. Well, he didn't play for South Africa. No, yeah. no, no, South okay. African-born. Yeah. No, this is overall, uh, yeah. like this is throughout the world. So, so Ryan, he leads the overall averages in the world in ODIs for 20 ODIs and more. So he's got 67. So right. you're currently ahead of him. So you just need two ODIs to reach that mark. Uh, you've scored 665. Worked it out. In your next two ODIs, you need to score 74 runs in two innings to overtake him. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, you can look at it in <laughs> a lot of different ways. Uh, I'm definitely not going to go out. Uh, I'm going to go out if I play another ODI to yeah to to get to that three figure mark. And if I end up at 74, then maybe <laughs> yeah, you can you can have your your stat there. Okay, brilliant. Okay, I've got a uh, a couple of questions for you. Let's see how well you know your own stats. Who was the first player to take your wicket in international cricket? Uh, in international cricket. International cricket. So yeah. That was Zimbabwe. Yeah. Uh, how did I go out? Um, was it Mpofu? Christopher Chris Mpofu. Mpofu yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. Um, who did you make your first class debut against? That was against Greek was. Yes. Uh, at, yeah. At Tux Oval for Northerns. Yeah. Can you remember the year? That would have been 2008. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, you know your stuff. <laughs> who was your captain? I want to say Aaron Pankiso, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, okay, the match against Griquas featured one future test player. Who was it? And I, I know if I ask this question yeah. in a year's time, it will be two future test players. including was he, was he in our team? What do you mean? Was he in Northern's team or Griquas' team? Yeah, he was in your team. Jeez, uh, no, I don't a know. A bowler. Neil Wagner. Neil yeah. Wagner, yeah. yeah. That was a trick question, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, can you remember the scores you scored in those two innings? My first innings, I think I got two of 10 balls. Is that correct? Uh, you got two. I don't know the balls. Okay. And but my second innings, I got 31. 
Th- I think. 34. 34. Oh, right. Yeah, so you can give yourself three extra runs. Another great start. <laughs> um, your first ODI was played where and against you? It was against Pakistan in Port Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, who did you score your first ODI runs off? I think it was uh, Shut Up Khan. Yeah, Shut Up Khan. Yeah. How many ODI catches have you taken? <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say five. A bit more. Seven? Nine. Nine. Nine, right. yeah. I don't really remember catches. Which which bowler have you taken the most catches off? Uh, has it been uh, Imran Tayyip? Yeah. yeah. Do you know how many? Three? Four. Four. Right. Four, yeah. yeah. You've caught one player twice. Who? Uh, this is in ODIs. Yeah, yeah. Is he a Sri Lankan? Uh, no. Pakistani. Pakistani. Jeez, I can't. I have no idea. Uh, it's a name who's cropped up ready. Shut up, Khan. All right. Yeah. Never knew. And uh, finally, how many grounds have you played ODI cricket on? Now, there were two grounds that are ruled out because they're rained out. But uh, no. so take into account the ones that you actually physically went on and played on. So the, the game against West Indies, that doesn't count because I didn't get onto the field. The, the match started. Uh, no, I don't think it counts. Okay, then I'm going to have to say... No, it doesn't count. Okay, about eight. I've played 18, probably played on the same one a few times, so let's say 13? 10. 10. 10, oh, right. ten different grounds. Okay, good. And you've played a couple at the Wanderers, I think you've played two. Yeah. Kingsmead. Cape Town. Uh, Cape Town, and I think one in England. You play Lords Three. twice? No, we, uh, we played... The the Oval twice. Oh, the Oval twice. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Rusty, it's been an absolute pleasure and a big thank you to, to Gary Rom Men's uh, man. Gary Rom um, Man, yeah. Jeez, they've been great, eh? Yeah. Uh, I'm currently How's your beer there? Still, yeah, still going strong. It's my third beer now. <laughs> but what a place. It's uh, yeah, at Linwood Bridge. Um, you, you're telling me it's their first official man store that they've got. Yeah, Gary Rom Salon obviously has been going for years and uh, a very big and trusted name in, in the hair industry. And um, yeah, this is the first Gary Rom man, which is obviously just focused on on guys. Uh, you know, you come in for a for a beard trim, you come in for a for a haircut, obviously, and you know, a facial if if you that if if that's your sort of vibe and that and way you, inclined. Yeah, and you and you have a draft and or you have a whiskey or a, or a cappuccino, whatever you, depending on what time of the day it is, and yeah, you come out have a good time. There's some good music. There's sports on the TV. Uh, um, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of good people around and a, and a lucky place to hang out. Who would be the pro tier most likely to come here for a facial? Uh, I would say Fuff, Fuff or <laughs> David Miller. David Miller has been here with me before, so uh, yeah, yeah, he had a good time. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, you've had your haircut. I'm about to go get mine and I definitely needed a, a beard trim. I'm off to Nice in a couple of days some, so I want to okay. look uh, clean and fresh for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rassi, it's been an honor and a privilege. Um, yeah, enjoy the MSL and uh, hope to see you in the white of the pro tier soon. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Thanks again. It's always uh, good hanging out with you. Uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable chat is always good in terms of cricket. So uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media. 